This is WSQFLP Key Biscayne, Blink Radio 94.5 FM. The views expressed on the following program are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station or the Key Biscayne Independent. Portions of the following program were pre-recorded. From the studios of the M Network in beautiful South Florida, this is Antisocial, the radio show and podcast that tries to sidestep the tiresome social media debates and add some balance and context. I'm Tony Wint. I'm Tom Mosloom. Tony, you'll add the balance and context. I will add the eye roll inducing sarcasm. Well, that's a good thing we're on the radio then. <laughs> that's my, uh, that's my, yes. my superpower, Tony. I could just tell our audience every time you're eye rolling. Maybe yes, I could tap it, something. You could hear it. You could hear it over the airwaves. Oh, that's, that's the eye roll. That's and, and you know what, Tony? I'm never going to change. Although, Key Biscayne may. Yeah. We have lots of big things coming up. I thought we did. It's nice to have Will back. Yes, changes. Yes. Uh, Will's in the booth today, so all the uh, mistakes you hear are his, not mine. Right. For change. Uh, yeah, lots of changes, and that's not... that. Kibiskane doesn't handle changes as delicately as some other organizations. So I'm really anxious to get into this. In the studio is uh, Jennifer Stearns-Buttrick. You were part of the committee. Yes, thank you for having me today. And the once and future mayor... <laughs> <laughs> Did I get that right? Former. former. <laughs> we'll ask that question later. <laughs> Go ahead, Tony. You might as well take. Well, yes, uh, Joe Rasco, uh, former uh, former mayor, and uh, served as a, on the council as well, and worked for Dade County for a number of years. Uh, you're also a member of this commission, so I guess we should get that off the bat, since my co-host is kind of. <laughs> Just done that. Uh, there's been talk about you're possibly running for mayor. So let's start off with that. Hi, Tony. Um, I think that it's something that I'm carefully considering. A lot of people are asking me whether uh, I'm able to run. And um, so for right now, I'm still studying it and I haven't made a final decision. But obviously, this will come to bear pretty quick. When, when, when might we know? June 7th. Okay. <laughs> waiting, uh, waiting to the end. All right. June 7th. No, just because, just, just to answer the question fully, it, that's just when the registration begins for the mayoral uh, uh, openings. So uh, those people that are going to run need to put their names in at the beginning of that. Uh, well, to, that's the time that you do the filing. That's when the, the filing, filing period opens. You could start running for mayor today, or and no, one candidate I, has. Yeah. Actually, you yeah. shouldn't be uh, running ahead of the game because you, you, you need to follow the law on that. Okay. All right. Well, will you be first or second in line 
on June 7th. <laughs> no, I, I'll move on. Um, adjusting the charter and looking at amendments is sort of a serious thing, and you guys really undertook this very seriously. Can you, t- Jennifer, t- tell us about the process, how it got started, and how you guys looked through, you know, how did you decide on what to tinker with and what to leave alone? Well, um, first of all, we were appointed by the council and voted on by the council. Uh, Allison McCormick was the chair. She's the council member that oversaw the process. Uh, And Marco uh, Gomez and Judd Kurlanchik were also on our committee. And, you know, the first thing we did was do a lot of research. We read other charters. We got advice from legal counsel. Uh, Chad Friedman and um, Roger Poe were very involved with the process um, and very helpful in guiding us through it. Um, And we looked at you know, what needed to be changed. We actually discussed some things we talked about changing and decided not to because we understood there's only so much you can put before the voters. So it has to be limited. So our suggested amendments don't necessarily cover everything that we thought needed to be changed. Um, But we felt that presenting eight was about the maximum we could. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, Um, More have been considered in the past. I think there was one year there were 22 Holy smokes. Yeah. So it's, it is, and it's, you know, I know you've actually spoken sometimes to government by referendum, not necessarily being the best way to make decisions, but this is actually part of the system where, where revisions come up, but it's, there's a process that uses this commission to sort of sift through them first. Right. I, I, it's well known that I don't believe in government by referendum, but one of the things that should be done by referendum is changes to a charter or a constitution. That's pretty standard across all governments, and I don't object to that process at all, and that's what this is. Gotcha. Let's, but, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, let's get to the big ones because we, we want to, there's some, so much to get through. The big ones, of course, are about the, the financing and with the resiliency projects, the village manager came and, and talked to you all. Um, talked about, you know, the vision for what the is needed and the ability of the government to borrow. I believe right now there's about $73, million left of borrowing. And he has, he has told me that that is insufficient to uh, go forward with all of these projects. So um, you now have these two, not one, but two different um, amendments. And it was, there was some, you know, differences of opinion on the commission. So both of you, if, if you could tell us about how that shook out. Well, I- I would like to start out by saying that I, I think that we're not just focused on what's going to happen next year. I think that the commission is focused on the long term and looking at the charter as that, a, as a long term document that may need some common sense adjustments. And I think that that's what we did as a, as a committee. We, we made some common sense adjustments about what had to happen so that we could go about the business of Kibis Kane. But looking at it in a much more long term, not, not, not about Project X tomorrow. It, it's, it's looking about the future of Kibis Kane over the next 10, 15, 20 years. And I would add best practices. I mean, I think it's really important when you look at a foundational document that it represents best practices in municipal government. And we found some provisions that in our current charter that don't represent those best practices. And so I think it was our goal to fix some of those issues. And and in addition to that, um, you know, my experience having been there from the beginning and other people like like Gene Stearns and, and other Others that have been since the very beginning part of the village, uh, we, we've got uh, a lot of different 
uh, ways to look at this. So I think that that was valuable to have different experiences. Now, when you guys communicated, were you guys what what we have here in the document you sent to the village council was unanimity, but was it unanimous in that? You know, was there a lot of agreement on these things, or how was the process? How did you guys vet things out? I mean, I think we all worked really well together. There certainly were some suggestions made. Um, you know, like I wanted to see, I suggested that council run by seat so that it was at large but by seat so that, and with a requirement that you get 50% of the vote to sit on council. That was rejected by everybody else on the council, uh, on the commission, I mean, and, and that's fine. And but I, no I, sour I, grapes. Right, not, not at we all. We won't name I names. Mean, no, and, 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 and I think that's fine. I think there was a productive discussion. There wasn't always agreement on every issue, but I think we all... Um, came to agreement on the eight amendments that were ultimately presented. So a civil understanding. Exactly. And I would say that you had very, very good people on on this committee. And and the committee is... (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Points off for Mr. Rasko, not turning off his cell phone. Okay. uh, Minus two. (laughs) Okay. Points off. No, but I think it's important that that the folks of Cubis Gain understand that this was a process that was taken seriously and that there was healthy debate around it and not just rubber stamping. Correct, correct. And it had to do with the knowledge and the care that everyone has for Cubis Gain. And Jennifer, um, I think she brought up excellent points, and sometimes we agreed, sometimes we didn't, but but it was very civil, unlike some other occasions that we've had on Cubis Gain. And at the end of the day, when these all hit the ballot, each member of your commission is going to be attached to those ballot measures, whether they're popular or not. That's not true. that I would consider that if I were running for mayor, but I might. I, I think, again, it, it, <laughs> when, when you look at, at these amendments, and we'll go through them with you, these are really common sense amendments. For example, um, we passed something uh, back uh, 20 years ago that said that the capital projects had uh, a top limit of 500000 and after that you had to take them to a referendum. We said, as a body, we said, we looked at that and said, hey, you know what? This needs to be updated. So let's take that to a million dollars. To me... That'll make the fire department happy next time they have to buy a truck. Yeah, and you you need to be able to govern and let people, the administration, do the work that they need to do. Now, that's not to say it doesn't need a vote. It's to say that it doesn't need to go to the voters. Yeah, it's, it's actually ordinance, not referendum. But what, So everything that the village government spends money on goes through the budget process. Correct. So it's, and then after the budgeting process, there is then, there are expenditures that require an ordinance process. An ordinance process requires notice, which is very expensive, and time. And so it was to address the fact that 20 years ago we decided our voters decided that $500,000 was the number that would require an ordinance. And by the way, most municipalities do not have this provision at all. This is sort of unique to keep us gain. And, and we decided to look at that, change it to make our government more nimble. And when it's already gone through an approval process through the budget to make that number a million rather than 500,000. Yeah, and when you the 500,000 number came from like 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And that yes. that 500 grand doesn't go nearly as far. Can, 
Can I, I go? <laughs> can I go back to the debt cap and sure. ask <clears throat> ask where did two percent come from? Uh, I think it came from the manager. With, that was his suggestion. But I'd like to say something about the debt cap. The debt cap was not part of the original charter. And there's a lot of dialogue on the key that it was. It was actually added in 2001 by special election. It was brought about by petition, ultimately approved by the council. And the language that was approved did not include the 1% language. It just said, should the village charter be amended to include a debt cap? The ballot question. The ballot question, sorry. Um, And... So voters, some arguably may not have known what they were voting on, and it only passed by 160 votes in a special election with very low voter turnout. Right. As I recall, it was a December. It was an election that that took place on a December Tuesday. It wasn't on the main regular election day. That's correct. That originally set the debt cap at 1% of total assessed value. Right. Which seems arbitrary to me, but... Maybe yes. there were good and it's that. restrictively low. There are no other municipalities that we could find that have such a restrictive debt cap. Most don't have a debt cap at all. One of your colleagues on the commission said at an earlier meeting that they didn't they didn't they thought this would be really problematic because it would turn the upcoming election in November into all about this. Are you in favor of it or are you not? Do you think that's likely? It might. I mean, I think it actually um, offers an opportunity for our electorate to evaluate candidates on issues. I think that sometimes it becomes a popularity contest. It's who you know. And this may become more about the issues. I would add that um, we have been, because of our 30-year history, uh, I think that we're novices, so to speak, in this, in this aspect. And over time, there has been some fear, changes, as you were talking about, Tom, before. Changes are, are, are hard for people to absorb. Um, what, what I was doing when I was mayor, I had to do with three buildings, the, 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 the police and village hall, the fire station, and the community center. And there was a small minority of people who, who were against those projects. Today, nobody would be against those projects, but the, those projects represented some kind of change. It, it was a different use of that land, and all of a sudden, there was a little bit of turmoil on it. So um, my point here is that um, the village has delivered on its promises. The village has been able to do projects on time, on budget, and has done them within the limits uh, of a debt that's very reasonable compared to some of our other municipalities. And so we've been able to do that well. And uh, this is kind of like the growing pains. Okay, now we, we need to grow a little bit more. We need, to, um, uh, we need to change as we go along. And this is what I say are common sense amendments. One of the things that you guys have a... Um an interesting dilemma at is your, as you mentioned, your your charter isn't that old, which means the people who framed it to start with are still living on your island and in your community, and they are, I mean, and many of them fought very hard to make that charter. So you don't have the luxury of, oh, it's a document far away, and we don't know the people who wrote it, so we don't have any problem changing it. These, there are many things of that charter that may or may not be sacred cows. How delicately how much reverence did you take when when treading on that ground 
Well, interestingly enough, the debt cap wasn't part of the original yeah, charter. That. Yes, so it was added, and many of the people, um, only 2,000 people voted on the debt cap. We now have about 8,000 registered voters. So I don't think that those in our community who are currently part of the electorate actually have had their say on this particular issue. Interesting. And we are in very unique times. I mean, we are a barrier island. We are dealing with climate change. There's an existential threat that we have to address. And, and there are two provisions. There's the 2%, but there's also another provision because there are two amendments with regard to the debt cap. The second would allow um, the debt cap to be exceeded in the event that it was approved by the voters. So without a charter change, you could um, so say the 2% passes or it doesn't pass. There's this other provision that would say if the voters approve it, we can exceed the debt cap. So well, hypothetically, a- if you were to try and buy the Rickenbacker Causeway, that's something that could come up. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's why I put the bullhorn in. The, if either of you feel compelled. <laughs> we don't need a bullhorn. It's right in front of you. It's right there. Tom's got a bet. <laughs> Who's oh, going to grab boy. the bullhorn okay. first? Is that why it's there? Okay. <laughs> um, but just Palmetto Bay doesn't have a debt cap. You know, Aventura doesn't have a debt cap. Pinecrest doesn't have a debt cap. Sunny Isles doesn't have a debt cap. Palm Beach has a 5% of assessed value debt cap. So our 1% is highly unusual and no, restricted. It, it, when I first heard you had a debt cap, I thought, well, that's sort of odd, for, especially for Key Biscayne. I mean, it's how much spending are you going to do? Right. And there are, I mean, lenders also put restrictions on borrowing that we can't forget about either. I think it's interesting that in that provision you were mentioning about the voters, you will you will lock the commission or the council members into the debt cap, but the voters can exceed it. Yes. As a matter of fact, I, I just happen to have it in front of me here, but... Uh, to uh, Jennifer's point, Pinecrest, no debt limits, Bell Harbor, geo debt must be less than 25% of assessed value. Cutler Bay, debt cannot exceed the greater of 3%. Surfside, geo debt must be less than 15% of assessed value, and on and on and on. So do you guys think that's going to be the hot button? I mean, I know Tony does. Tony thinks that... Well, I mean, I'm, that was one of your, one of your commitments. Commission members basically predicted that that would happen at this this election in November, and and, and you you answered that question that it if that's so then it's a it's a merit argument that people will make a decision on. So, uh, well, it came up once before because you know the, you know there was a, an ordinance. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a charter amendment proposed by the council that didn't pass at second vote, and people were you know upset about it um, when the geo bond was uh, being presented. So right. there. There has been a preview. I think some people will object. Let, let me jump to another topic, which is also uh, could be could be controversial, which would be. Um, and again, the administration is seeking this change is involving the zoning code. And right now, Key Biscayne has also a somewhat unusual, um, if I, maybe maybe less unusual. I don't know how other municipalities stack up. I'm sure you'll tell us. But it's unusual because it takes a public vote to change many aspects of zoning in Key Biscayne at the moment. Uh, and it came up, um, I want to say, last year when there was a discussion in the council about adding an adult living facility. Um, council member Ed London brought that up, and uh, it, didn't, it didn't advance to try and put it on the ballot. This, as I understand this amendment, if adopted by the voters, would create a second pathway for changes to the zoning code. If you got a supermajority on the village council, you would be able to make these kinds of changes that now— 
currently require a vote. Is that a referendum? Is that correct? That's correct. Oh. And this goes to what we were discussing earlier, which is this this provision in our current charter embodies government by referendum. So no assisted living facility could move to Kibis Gain. No school outside of a religious facility could come to Kibis Gain. No additional religious facility could come to Kibis Gain without a referendum as our charter is currently written. This is expensive. It's not the way government is supposed to function. We have a representative democracy. We elect representatives to make decisions such as zoning decisions. And if you're unhappy with the decisions they make, you vote them out of office. But you don't create an unwieldy process by which to make change. I I would go back to to one thing that that you just said, Tony. Um, The administration presented, true, the uh, administration presented things, but I think this board would have taken these items up anyway. Gotcha. Uh, so well, only because there there might be lots of changes that are necessary to implement all of these resiliency projects. And by the way, I think that last estimate of two hundred fifty million uh, that wasn't part of our discussion. We 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 didn't have any idea about that number at that times when when we went through the charter. So um, so I, I I think that these are and I'll uh, I'll stick with it. Uh, these are common sense amendments that need to be made, and we're ready. May I try the counter argument? As I recall, though, the reason this was contentious the last time this was up for a vote had to deal with development and a hotel, right? Am I am I getting the history correct? It was the Senesta property. Correct. But, right. uh, again, a group of citizens upset about an issue during a special election got something placed on the ballot to amend the charter. No and, way. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> And, so, I'm sorry. And it's it's not good government to require a referendum for a zoning change. It's not the way government is supposed to function. And and you did ask this. Very, very few municipalities have a provision that mirrors Kibis Gain. There are some that say like building height changes have to be approved by referendum or or some very specific provisions. This is onerous. And I would say that I am extremely sensitive to added density. Uh, And I think Jennifer is, and and all of us have sat on there, including Judd Kurlanchik, former uh, building and zoning director. So, So we're completely aware of the issue, and it has nothing to do with adding density. It has to do with making sense of what we have and what we need to change. Uh, for example, what you mentioned uh, about the um, assisted living facility. The, this is something we are not offering seniors uh, as it is today. So should we just ignore it and make it go away? No. I, I think that a government has to look at the making dynamic changes as it grows. As I read the charter changes report that you guys filed, I could hear in the writing the elevated importance of elections. Was that intentional, sort of placing the onus on the elected officials to Look, you guys, you guys voted for them to be in office. We need them to be very in tune with all of these issues on Key Biscayne. Was that intentional or am I just reading too much into that? 
Um, I, I don't. I don't think we really discuss no, we, that yeah. per se. But um, I but, mean, but you make a great point. You make a great point. We are a representative government, and people should know who they're voting for, and should uh, demand accountability from their elected officials. And these are the types of topics that need to be discussed in elections: real issues about real things, and not about but you you're, know, you're all also, these made, also made up a, things. You're also a community that is you know, very different from a lot of other communities in that Key Biscayne is demographically highly educated. So Agreed. your your voters know more than most. So they're going to have very strong opinions about how the island needs to be run, and they might want more control rather than less control. They might want more control rather than ceding that to elected There's officials. control other than just through referendum. Everything is noticed. Everything is handled at meetings. There's always opportunity for public input, and our elective representatives have to respond to the people and yeah. the majority of the people, but these decisions aren't going to be made in secret. And I would They're going to be made in a public forum. I would have to say that, that the residents of Key Biscayne are not silent in using their ability to petition for redress of grievances with the village government. Uh, if that is certainly not the case, and we have a mayor nodding his head because he, he knows that council chamber can fill up on just about anything at any time. Pack the chamber. Pack the chamber. If, um, if, if, if I can, uh, I'll, I'll give you Rasco's theorem about uh, municipal government, and that is 20% of the people want you to do everything. It doesn't matter what it costs. They want you to go ahead and get it done. 20% of the people don't want you to do anything. They don't want you to spend a penny. And our job is working with the 60% in the middle. And, and that 60% moves a little bit in, in every direction. And, and that's that's how you need to think about these things, you know? Uh, last election uh, got pretty contentious on the key. There was a lot of things that Tony and I made a lot of hay about on the air because, well, that's just what I do. A hundred million dollar <laughs> bomb. Oh, I can't wait for this election. Are you kidding me? This is going to be great. I'm going to have a whole new debt cap sound effect. Maybe we should hire like a jingle singers. You Ooh. Know? Uh, Will? Will, could you give me a, a little smooth jazz? Uh, <laughs> something to protest debt cap limits to? Yeah. Don't, but don't you, if you're going to protest something, it doesn't have to be kind of like angry music. No, 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 no. This is keep us game. We're civilized. Oh, really? Okay. That's why we have the bullhorn sitting on the table here. See, that's it. We're trying to get you to pick up the bullhorn. <laughs> um, I'm not doing it, Will. No. I'll do it later. Right. I promise. I'm not doing it now. We have just a couple of minutes left. So we have a couple of other items on here since we both have you there. Um, and... Uh, I, I should, in, in full disclosure, tell everybody, our listeners, that uh, two of them uh, may have resulted from some comments I made at, a, at one of your meetings. <clears throat> the Witten Amendment. Uh, well, no, they're not amendments <laughs> yet. They're proposals. Um, the fourth estate. The, yes. the, uh, the, the questions about notices for uh, courtesy meetings and the other one would be op uh, open meetings law um, there. So I, I think it's only fair to tell the listeners how, what, what I said at the council. You can go online and listen to my comments. But essentially, uh, just a way to, for the village to put in its own governing documents uh, a commitment to transparency and openness this, that right now is controlled by county and mostly state law. Uh, the open meetings law and the notices that people put out for things like sunshine meetings and, and so forth. And at the moment, it's completely lawful for a government officials to put a paper notice, hang it on the bulletin board at Village Hall and 
Uh, people the, can have the, sunshine the, meetings. The door at Wittenberg Chapel. Uh, yeah, sort of like that. But but unless <laughs> unless you happen to make a habit of walking up to Village Hall every day and seeing what notices have been posted, you would not know that you know Commissioner Jones is meeting with Commissioner Suarez or whatever. You wouldn't know those things because there's no requirement that they be um, circulated to the general public. So that's one of the one of the amendments. And the second is. Uh, about open uh, meetings, uh, which is again mostly by state law, and it would this, I guess, I understand it would force or require, for not force is a strong word, require the village to develop its own open meetings law. Essentially, you're still angry about getting thrown out of the council chambers. I, I, you? This is a direct result. Were you guys there? Did you see that? <laughs> I watched it. Tony's just still filled with angst about. Well, that now that may cause it to go down. Now maybe this people is, want it to fail, but uh, but. Uh, I, uh, but, but Tony, to your yeah. point, that these again, these are common sense amendments that uh, it, it, it felt very natural to us to talk about these and and to share some of our experiences. And uh, why not? Why not? It, this is something that belongs in our charter, and we're we're happy that it that it's on there. Yeah. And and one of the things we we debated was: does specific language go in the charter, or does it get addressed via ordinance? And our decision to do it via ordinance was so that it was in the public sphere for every council to discuss a process for open government. And every council will have to adopt an ordinance, an ordinance, not resolution, but an ordinance that will go through two separate meetings to be discussed with an opportunity for public comment. And that will also, also allow changes to be made as technologies change, I mean, we just lived through a global pandemic, so things changed. So the the notion was that this should be important, it should be discussed, it should be in the public sphere, and it should also um, change as necessary as times change. How can people uh, learn more about this stuff? Uh, obviously, uh, we're not the only stop of public education here on Antisocial. Where can where can the folks in Key Biscayne learn about each of these and, and, and the ramifications? Well, I hope that we're going to have some open forum discussions about the, the charter amendments as we get closer to November. I think that's the goal is that it's going to be on the November ballot. Um, and and I hope that, you know, we'll be writing some articles. Maybe we can do a guest column in the Key Biscayne Independent sure, um, to discuss these issues as a commission. I mean, all of us right. together. And and I think, I think that uh, there'll be Plenty of time for discussion. As you know, the ballot language is probably, it's limited by state law to 75 words. So uh, people need to get educated. They need to read the final report and then look at the language that's going to go in there so that they have a good idea of what they're going to be voting on. And that is actually the, really the only thing the council really gets to decide is the actual text of the question, right? That's, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, so this is... Definitely, it's going to, and I believe I don't know if it's been formally set that that's coming up for the November election. That's the belief. Yes, right. that, that is what we want. We want uh, the election where the most people are going to vote to have a say on what their charter looks like in the future. All right. Well, it sounds like we have a long way to go before votes are cast, but uh, we'll do our best to get everybody educated. And you guys obviously are welcome on our show anytime. Thank you very Great, much. Great. Thank you. Thanks Looking for being here. To it. And uh, we'll thanks for having us. And we'll be right back in just a minute.
And we are back on 94.5 WSQF, the Blink FM on lovely Key Biscayne. This is Antisocial. I am Tom Mosloom. Blink Radio. What did I say? The Blink. Blink. I just want to make sure Manny doesn't pull the plug on us. You know, Manny's going to scoop us again because Joe is going to announce. Yes, he's going to announce his on, mayor. Yes, uh, to, he's going to get to all Manny, the scoops, and we're going to be left with you know the the after run. We're going to we're going to we're going to have the, the the scoop after the scoop. It's okay. The scoop up is what we're going to end up with. Manny gets all the good stuff. Um. Well, you know, Joe's running. All right. Thanks very much. <laughs> Joe's running. Thank Fausto's you. Our running. Moss is running. Out of the studio, but thank you for being here. We really I want Jennifer it. to run. <laughs> I like when they're not on the mic and I can start talking about them. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I guess we skipped segment two again, didn't we? No, we have a whole segment two we're going to do. We're going to do a whole segment two? Yeah. Didn't we talk about it? No. What are we doing? We have music for that too. What are we doing? You know. When you win. Really? This deserves its own segment. Yeah, the wor- magical world of Disney. <clears throat> magical, most magical Disney's, place on Earth. Disney's fine. Reedy Creek is not. Well, that's <laughs> Dis- the question. The Reedy Creek Improvement District. All right, why don't you catch us up to uh, uh, catch us up to uh, up to speed? The Reedy Creek Improvement District. Uh, they voted in the uh, Florida Senate and the Florida House to. Eliminate all of these special districts that weren't in place at the charter of the state, which was 1968. Uh, well, yes, but the way the resolution is worded, it's actually apparently only applies to seven districts, and it only applies to um, the the one. Of course, it's getting all well, the the concern is the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which was uh, this special uh, district that's been there for all this time that basically allows Disney to be its own government. Um, it it basically pays taxes on itself. So let's let's start yeah. let's start there. Yeah. On its own merit, without getting into anything else, right? Let's not look at the ancillary. There is a corporation in Florida that owns property and acts as its own government, so that it doesn't have to go through permitting. It could decide how it wants to use land, impact all of that stuff. It could collect taxes. Uh, have its own police force, and all of that could be out of view from the public. Well, that sounds like it should go away. Mm. Well, my question would be, why was it approved in the first place? And why has it been supported by politicians from both parties until this year? And why did it change all of a sudden with about four hours notice? Why would that be, Tom? Uh, Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, you can make it. You can make good common. I think there's yes. no 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 question that independent special districts. I'm going to tell you the whole big topic, and some people will say it, it. It actually, in Disney's case, proves that the concept worked. They built, they took essentially undeveloped land and built a world class tourist attraction that's added. Yes, either either billions of dollars to the state economy yes. and everything else, and you can make an argument that it's no. The people should be running or it. They, yeah, they should either. Right. Afford the same opportunity to other like corporations. Yeah. Uh, or they're, they're over a thousand of these districts. Right. So so the, and and some of them do do benefit other corporations, not to the extent that Disney of Disney though. Right. So 
I will tell you. I will tell you my story from a marketing and branding and guy who deals in politics and stuff like that. Here's here's what I think. But happened. but, but the, the, of course, the issue is this came out. This came out allegedly, and and according to elected officials themselves, including the governor, because it's a war on woke corporations. Yes, woke corporations. Woke. Really, not about any of these interesting, wonky, meritorious or not meritorious policy, public policy arguments, well, which I don't dispute exist. Let's do the timeline. Right. Uh, the parental rights and education bill, also known as the don't say gay bill. That's also marketing. Uh, yeah, great marketing, as a matter of fact. That was really effective because nobody knows what the actual name of the bill is. Uh, it's, it, the, the left branded that one fantastically. They lightning in a bottle. Um Disney remained silent on that until the bill was passed. And then they came out with a very strong statement against the bill. They then pledged to do everything in their power to rescind the bill. And they froze all political donations to anybody who voted for the bill. That's where this goes sideways. Okay, so are the corporations have First Amendment rights? Sure. Do, are all of those things First Amendment rights? Sure. But politicians also have the ability to legislate in ways that uh, both offer and remove special types of uh, privileges. You, yes, I, I think, uh, I think uh, what's his name, Plunkett in Tammany Hall said that, yeah. reward your friends and punish your enemies. <clears throat> yeah. It goes back to the 1800s. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it goes well before yes. that, but, you know, this is, this is, the, this is the way. So uh, the branding study is going to be on how corporations, how vociferous corporations will be politically, not just in speaking against specific laws, but in actions regarding political donations and funding to the tune of millions of dollars, because Disney also pledged millions of dollars to activist groups who will work to repeal this law. So it seems like Disney is a political actor, and now they are shocked that there are political repercussions. I don't know that they're shocked. I think that the uh, what's interesting is uh, how fast this happened, with it, it, apparently not much analysis or... Uh, consideration the, I mean, the the people to be biggest affected are the f residents of Osceola and Orange counties, who may be their governments may have a year to figure this out apparently because it doesn't take effect until twenty three. It's it may never take effect <clears throat> right. Mean, honestly, it might get repealed. It's, right. Well, it's just a, it's but but here's some interesting things. Uh, Trafalgar, the uh, polling company, did a poll on Disney uh, about six days ago when all this was at its heat. At its heat. And uh, one of the questions they said is, uh, are you less likely to do business because of Disney's recently revealed position regarding exposing young children to sexual ideas? 68% of those polled said, yes, I am less likely right. to support and, Disney. And that's like a very set of specific poll wording question. And if you mm -hmm. ask the poll in a different way, I'm sure you'd get an answer well, that would be very it's, different. It's funny you said that because 48% of Democrats said they would seek other alternatives, 85% of Republicans. And, you know, polls are polls. You might know a little something about a push poll going on on the key right now. Well, we're looking into it. Um, but there's another poll that doesn't lie. There's another poll that's very, very uh, accurate. 
My question is more of a branding question, though. But, but well, like, go it, make, yeah. It, <clears throat> for you, which is, yeah. what does Disney do now? Well, let me. Yeah. I, let okay. me well, this poll. This poll is really accurate. Okay. Disney stock prices are down fifteen percent for the month and twenty four percent year to date. This action has scared the crap out of investors and has damaged Disney's brand. Uh, and I'm not necessarily sure it's not the confluence of things because they they waited until after the bill was passed before making a strong statement one way Public, or the other. Publicly that we know of. Right. Before yeah. making a public statement. Yeah. Right. They sat in the sidelines. In fact, they in fact, the chairman said something along the lines of we should not be getting involved in this. And then, oh, whoopsie, I'm sorry. So he effectively, Disney Corporation effectively ticked off both sides of the aisle. And, th- and they're paying the price as a brand. Now, n- your question to me as a, branding was, as a branding professional was something in that area? Well, my question now is this. You have, you have what would be clearly a very disruptive uh, act that has passed the legislature. And, of course, uh, we expect, it would be natural to expect the governor, since he basically teed it up, to sign the bill that he teed up. So uh, this would go into a, this would be set a timetable for a year in the middle of, you know, an, an election year. The question is, what is what does Disney do now? Some people are urging Disney to um, double down and uh, go ahead and, and make good on on some of these funding things that it said it would do. Others are saying, you know, hoping it will just go, pass and go away. Um, and that, of course, that would just intimidate them and say, we're not going to speak this way about something we this company feels strongly about. I'm just wondering, what do you do if you're go- if you're hired? You're a branding right. person. This yeah. is what you do for a living. You're hired and say, hey, look, what's what are what are what am I in for on either one? If I decide to double down, what am I in for? So, and if I decide not to do that, what am I in for? That's you're going to want to know the A and B. Yeah, I, when it comes to things like this, uh, a, an established brand, I am significantly more cautious than most. I am saying you have made a mistake. You do not. You want. You want to shut up now, because you do not want to stoke the flames on one side of the aisle or the other. Because your park is family friendly and should serve everybody, and you don't want to be losing too many people to your products. I mean, you know, Disney streaming is down. Disney traditional broadcast is down. I mean, they're really taking a beating well, for I, for I, a I, lot of for a lot of reasons. How much of this you can attribute to this no, 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 issue no, 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 is no. really a stretch. No, 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 but go no, ahead. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, it, Irrespective of whether yeah. it's attributable or not, yeah. the finances are the finances. They're not doing great. So you don't want to do anything to negatively impact that. So I would back off and wait till after November to do anything. Um, what I think will happen is I think Disney is smart enough to back off, not say anything, not comment, let November come and go, let the election, the heated election cycle, and then unleash their army of lobbyists on Tallahassee, open up the, the, uh, the, the wallets to political donations quietly, not openly, and, uh, and hopefully they're lobbyists because the provision to rescind the improvement district does not prohibit them from petitioning for a new and improved one. So I suspect that there will be a different form of Reedy Creek with enough concessions that make the Republicans happy without so, too so much, you, too many concessions that are going to hurt people or Disney. Right. So to summarize, you would be very different from someone who's also in your uh, 
very well known. Rick Wilson, I'm sure you follow him no, on Twitter. Yeah. His advice is exactly the opposite. You should use this opportunity to start looking at possibly swingable districts in the legislature. Forget about the governor's race. He agreed with you there. That's a waste of time. But but you should start to um, you know use the might that you have and get involved in the at the lower levels of uh, state government. Rick Wilson is a political strategist who has not one care about what that does to the bottom line or business. Gotcha. Uh, he is a flamethrower <laughs> and somebody who just is looking to win elections. He's the last person you should hire for business branding. Uh, if they're smart, they're going to lay low until after the election. They're not going to get politically involved, and they will work quietly behind right. the scenes have, to establish something that works for everybody. And unless something's come out very recently, I believe they actually haven't said have they said anything publicly since this passed no. both chambers. No, they've been it's been crickets. as as they should. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, who they're following the advice of somebody not named Rick Wilson, which is good. Uh, as a journalist, though, right. Uh, branding aside, I have lots of questions for you. Okay. How are the journalists covering this without pointing to the obvious, which is, I mean, this is a political hit job. And it strikes me that there's got to be some ethics issues with this, no? Like, isn't the legislator walking on thin ice given the timing of it all? It's obviously political retribution and nothing and nothing more um that's been that's what a lot of people have written about and it is actually the basis of some legal analysis going on as to whether or not the way that this was enacted actually is a violation of the florida constitution that's a good question and that will play out in the that's it another action we didn't really talk about is what happens next is this there are some who argue that the action that the legislature took actually doesn't do anything without Disney's consent. Other people are doing that. So one aspect is this whole issue might play out in court before it gets to the next well, legislature. We, yeah. Most of us think it's, I mean, the, the marketing guys, we all think it's theater. We don't think either side is actually serious, right? We think Disney said whatever they thought they had to say to appease the left-leaning side of folks who were walking out of work and and had their arms up, and the Republicans and the DeSantis did what they had to do to, uh, you know, throw red meat to the angry mob of right-wingers, right. and everybody's happy with the way it came out, and then they'll get back to business after the election. But from a news perspective— Well, from a news perspective, I'd be asking—I can't—that's an assumption— there's a statute. It's been passed. You have to assume it's valid going in. You have billions of dollars of, ta of revenue and bonds. You've got important public services that have to be planned for. And I can tell you, in, if I was a reporter in Osceola or Orange County, I'd be like, "Where? How? This thing? This is like an asteroid landing on your on your planet? Right, right. They're talking your, about it. on your village. They're right? talking about property taxes going I mean, up twenty five percent. If if the Key Biscayne Village this happened to the Key Biscayne Village Council, can you imagine what would be happening? <laughs> you, you had some. <laughs> Can, uh, can we do that show? It would be like war. It, we'll, it'll just be pretend. We'll do it like War of the Worlds. No, I mean, but like, this will be the scenario. Yeah, that, that, you know, because assume that like the, we had them giant tourist attraction that happened to be inside our village boundaries, and all of a sudden now they had to figure out. Well, we're going to have to provide fire and police and all this other stuff. Yeah, but I mean, they, I mean, the lawyers are going to come into that. They're going to say, "Well, listen, that's actually that property belongs to the private corporation. We're not taking care of any of it. That's up to the private corporation to take care of." I mean, you know, I don't, I, I don't think. 
Osceola County is taking care of the roads uh, uh, inside the mall parking lot. How many voters would care <laughs> that you're voting for your elected government would say, what do you, they're going to want to know what the plan is. Yeah, but as a reporter, yeah. you want to know if it's valid. Like if, if it's not valid, if they can't actually enact this through either one way or the other, either they need Disney's consent to dissolve the improvement district or some other thing. Then this all is theater, and well, and, and, and and the media is being gamed. Th- that's that is an interesting question. If you if you look at the argument that was made on this one point, the legislature, as I understand it, is hanging it on one word in the text that was that was passed that says "notwithstanding," comma. Then it goes ahead and erases this district, and the question is notwithstanding any other law, because there's an existing law that says. The existing law says it, Disney needs to consent to the dis- dissolution, the five people who vote in the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Those people need to consent to the dissolution of the district. And the question is, did the legislature repeal the old law when passing a new one? I don't know. That's a really complicated issue for a a court to figure out. And, you know, the clock is ticking between if you're a, if you're a bond person and you're trying to figure out, well, who's going to pay these debts and who's going to do this? I don't know that you're going to want to roll the dice and say, well, maybe the legislature will save us and maybe they won't. In the meantime, I have to plan a budget. I have to hire people. We have to know where things are going. To me, this is that's regardless of how it shakes out in the end. There's going to be a period of turmoil in those two counties. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, the media will have gotten ratings and clicks and the politicians will have gotten yeah. votes, I and I Disney would. will have gotten attention, and the rest of us will be saying, that was just nonsense. I thought I was cynical. We'll be back for segment three right after this. And we go down the trails to the north point of the bear And we are back on Anti-Social 94.5 Blink Radio on lovely Key Biscayne. I need a drink. Okay. Here's to you, CNN Plus. Uh, Alas, we barely knew thee. It's really sad, though. That's what's uh, been taking up most of the um, I'm, I'm sure it's been taking up your Yes, and it's a huge, it was a huge investment for CNN to go s- the streaming news. And I, my heart goes out to the very talented uh, news people uh, and everybody else who tried to make that work. That's, that's really hard to work, put something ready to go, get it launched, be up there, and then have the, have the football removed from you. Um, so I hope oh, everyone, everyone lines up, uh, winds up on their feet. Oh, I mean, it's media. How many jobs? Have, I mean, I've been fired from a million media jobs, and I always fail up. Uh, it's just the way the business works. But have another drink. Tom. This is the uh, this is the this is the the danger of new ownership, right? I mean, you, you, you one ownership group has this plan, and then the new ownership comes in and says, you know, we wanted all that to be different, uh, and this is what happens. But fundamentally, what does this mean? I don't know. You could you could do the other kind of streaming service or that the uh, that Fox is doing and have articles that involve um, 
The other thing that my social media feed was blowing up on Tucker Carlson's latest. Uh, yeah, but it's a business. That's what you want. I mean, it doesn't matter what. I mean, I, you know, I hate to put it this way, and I, I, I know that you and I have very different views on this. But when I look at the companies, the corporations that run media, they don't care about the content. They care about the dollars. I mean, you know, whatever that program is, is merely a vehicle to get eyeballs from commercial break to commercial break. That's it. Um, and when you look at CNN, their ratings have been terrible of late, and the streaming service had very little pickup. So I don't, if you're making a corporate decision, then the right corporate decision is it don't make money, kill it. If you're making a societal decision, people need this information, then the content is different, and so is the business model. I guess I'm not understanding your point. Well, I think that, I think that the corporation killed CNN Plus because it wasn't making any money. Well, I mean, I'm sure that there was a, that's the aspect of it. The question is, before you start an enterprise like that, you say to yourself, okay, building a streaming service is going to require an investment. We think there's a, it's a good business move to do that and also a good news move. It gives us the ability to repurpose and reuse some of our content that we're making for our other networks and to possibly make money on it. And whatever the ROI calculation was, it appears to be a wrong, but it wasn't made for a non-business no, reason. No, I don't think it was wrong. So, so it just was a bad business decision as opposed to... I think it, yeah. was, I think it was a different ownership group. A di- the, the ownership group that came up with CNN Plus said, we're willing to make this investment, and that ROI makes sense. The new group came in, the new group that, that owns it all said, this doesn't make sense to us. And we're going to go in a different direction because we want all our streaming services under a single platform. That was the that was the business decision. Right. And how is it comparing to, say, some of the other networks, Fox's streaming service or Peacock or Paramount or CBS? They all have streaming services now. This one was just to be just was, you know, this is the question. And do, do consumers want to pay extra with all these streaming services for news. And how many streaming services start to dilute the pot? Look what's happening to Netflix. Netflix, you know, crashed 35% this week and nobody saw it coming. But, you know, in the, in the post-mortem autopsy, they're saying, oh, well, there's just so many streaming services. And now. they didn't get into a fight with a Republican governor. Look at that. No, 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 not yet. Anyway, no, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. What else is going on, Tony? Well, in the Key Biscayne Independence. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have a. We Speak, have, speaking of, you don't have to worry about a hostile takeover or new business moves or somebody saying, let's cancel the Key Biscayne Independent because it doesn't make money. Let's talk about independent. Let's talk about what's going on in the world of nonprofit, hyper local, independent news. Right. Well, so we're. We, today was a story. Uh, today was Earth Day. And I'll just very briefly say we're planning a story on that. Talk about um, the mayor of Miami Dade County, uh, Daniela Levine Cava, and our commissioner, uh, Raquel Regalado, both. Uh, we're at that today, but there's some questions that follow up from that, and we'll be getting into that as well. Uh, and then, of course, we have um, following up on a number of uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, things in the legal system that were that are churning their way, and we'll be following those up. And I can't get into more detail than that, but we will. Sorry, that's a terrible tease. It is Daddy. a terrible <laughs> tease. I didn't. Awful. I didn't. I didn't know. The only one I really had ready was the Earth Day one. Sorry. Can you give me a hint? on what the legal issue is. Nope. Sorry. All right. All right. 
Um, I uh, I have to say this. If you want to uh, weigh in on my Twitter feed, I'm at Mosloom. I asked um, my daughters brought an interesting question up to me this morning. They they posited this, and I'm I'm just trying to figure it out because I'm old and I don't get it. They just said everybody could be a Kevin. And I said, well, you know, what about her? Yep, she can be a Kevin. I don't know what that means, but if you want to clue me in, please log on and uh, and uh, you know respond to my my Twitter post. Yeah, educate me. All right. Um, independent news. Will give me a little music to beg for money by. <laughs> I love having Will back. Listen, um, the type of stuff that you got today on today's show with uh, Jennifer and Joe talking about uh, changes to the Constitution and things that you will be faced with voting for come the election, you're not going to get that anywhere else. These are critically important issues that are important to keep a skein. There is no other source for that information other than the keep a skein independent and this show, Antisocial. It's not cheap. It's not easy. It's fairly time-consuming. And being as smart as Tony Winton takes massive amounts of brain power and resources. And we could use... Oh, man. <laughs> have another drink, Tom. <laughs> I'm going to have a couple more. Okay. All right. uh, you guys get the gag, right? Uh, go to... Uh, kbindependent.org the Key Biscayne Independent uh, website hit the donate button uh, in a few weeks we're going to have big news about our brand new hire a full time reporter who is going to be uh, covering Key Biscayne along with Tony and his merry band of stringers that's what we are we're a merry band yes kind of like you know Riding Hood or something. I don't know. Whatever that is. Sherwood Forest. I'm getting my metaphors. Riding Hood. I believe yes. Robin Hood. Robin Hood. I believe you're yes, talking about Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we have to hire somebody. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gets busy there. Yeah. No. And I the uh, the funding is really critical to keep this going. So if you, uh, if you want to support hyper-local journalism that services you, if you find value in uh, the information that we give, we would... We would certainly appreciate the donation so that we could fund more of it and expand it. Well, there you go, Tony. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. And thank you, Will. All right, everybody. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week. I'm Tom Mosloom. I'm Tony Winton. Be safe, everybody. And again and again. I think I'm a